Hey, this is Julia, and welcome back to Aquarian Times. Uh, Happy New Year. It is January 3rd already. I can't believe it. (laughs) 2024. And this is episode 177. So, you know, I'm sure like most of us, this, um, you know, this week is kind of a blur, right? So we started the year on a Monday, uh, January 1st, and it it's like, it's already flying by. Like, I was surprised that it was time to podcast again. Um, I guess I did a bonus episode over the weekend for the new year. If you didn't catch that, you can go back and listen. But, um, but literally, I was not prepared f- for Wednesday to come this week. <laughs> I don't know how I got through Monday and Tuesday without knowing it. But here we are. And I think this is pretty normal for the way we feel in the new year. And so this is, yeah, this is a New Year's episode. I want to integrate a few um, concepts for us. All right. So when we're looking at a new year, um, when you're looking from the perspective of all the things, you know, astrology and numerology and uh, even looking at the Chinese year. Um, I'll just kind of rattle off what we're moving into now. And uh, so in terms of Chinese astrology on on the new moon um, in February, which is, I'll give you that exact date. Um, I didn't have this right in front of me. Uh, on on February 8th, we're going to, sorry, on the 9th, new moon in Aquarius, February 9th of, 20, of this year, 2024, we begin the year of the dragon. So we have been in a rabbit year or also known as the cat year for some reason uh, in um, Chinese astrology, they have a rabbit, but they also... It, couples as being a cat so it's sort of you can find it differently in different places but that would be the same year the rabbit and the cat um so that is the year we just completed and we're going into a dragon year the year of the wood dragon and um so, you know, I don't study Chinese astrology specifically. I, I have, you know, interest in it. But um, what, I, what I happen to know about the year of the wood dragon, for one, um, the, many people probably don't know this, but in the Chinese element system, they have wood as an element, right? And so wood is kind of considered... From what I understand, it's it's like this extra sort of magical um, element. So, you know, you've got earth, fire, water, um, air. Actually, yeah, I don't know. I don't know these. I don't know these by heart, um, the, the Chinese elements. But I, I happen to know there's metal in there. Sorry, you might have to look this up. Uh, metal and wood. So um, basically, 
I just remember looking it up at one point and the wood element is kind of like sort of this fifth element energy, right? Which um, it's like this uh, kind of like the ether element maybe, uh, which is kind of this um, imaginal or um, sort of shape-shifting energy. So that's kind of the wood element. And uh, you can always read more about that but and then we have the dragon symbol you know which is um in the chinese system there's you know 12 symbols and they're all animals they're all you know animals that we can recognize except for the dragon which is a mythical beast and so it's a special year uh, in chinese astrology it's highly regarded as a magical or sort of power-packed, um, multi-dimensional energy. And I just feel that about this year anyway, two, uh, 2024. I mean, my gosh, we've been through a ton and in the last several years. And there's just, seems like there's a lot of potential for this year. It's also an election year, right? So that makes it a little more uh, intense, and with this dragon energy. And as as hopefully you know by now, Pluto is also moving into Aquarius this year. Um, it will shift back into Capricorn for a couple months at the end of the year during the election. Um, but then we'll be back in Aquarius officially for 20 years. So this is um, a major year for us. This is a major turning point. 2024. You heard it here. This is really a big year. And, um, you know, the dragon is a big number. Pluto moving into Aquarius is a big deal. And then the eight, this is 2024, adds up to the number eight. And the eight is a very auspicious number. It's a prosperity number. Um, it's the infinity symbol. So it's a very powerful, um, lucky, prosperous, prosperous and so is the dragon is a prosperous energy so you know not to go in with too many expectations here but um this could you know this is i would expect big things to happen this year in multiple areas of our lives there's also um a jupiter uranus conjunction that's happening uh april 20th and that's happening in the sign of Taurus. So whatever that happens for you. But um, when Jupiter and Uranus comes together, that is uh, Jupiter expands. Uh, Uranus is sudden unexpected events. Um, but Jupiter is the beneficent. So it, you know, should light it up in a positive way, like unexpected positive events of epic proportion. <laughs> so we'll see how that rolls out. Um and uh, yeah, so there's just some major stuff going on this year. Mars is going retrograde at the end of the year. Um, and gosh, uh, uh, Uranus, or sorry, Jupiter will be moving into Gemini um, May 25th. So there's some, you know, big, every year there's big shifts, but this like I said, just on the outset, um, with the dragon, with the year eight, and with some of these major astrological moves, uh, this is going to be 
a different tone, you know, and kind of riding off the heels of the last few years. I think a lot of people, um, you know, last year was people kind of getting back in the saddle, um, 2023, you know, uh, after 2020 and now, um, or 2020, <laughs> 2021 and 2022 really. Um, and now <laughs> it's like, it's almost like, uh, all that whole chapter, not not like it's completely far from us, but because there's a lot of still, you know, tra- trauma that was caused, etc. But it's almost like it's really become a thing, uh, news of the past, right? As we move now, it's been you know several we're we're four years uh, into this new decade, and um, yeah. So it's major, major stuff going on. Um, so it's, it's, uh, you know, as, as we say, uh, with the podcast being called Aquarian Times, this is really it. You know, this is the, when, when, uh, when Jupiter, oh, sorry, when Pluto moves into Aquarius, it's really it. It's time for uh, this Aquarian age to, to get really going. And I think this is a this is a, this is really it. We're here, not to mention you know AI, of course, um, coming fully into our realities in a in a bigger way, in a beginning to really sort of dominate the the new um, climate of our world. And you know these shifts that happen, um, these planetary shifts are they're just palpable. They're extremely. Um, you know, their, their, their frequency, their energetic, um, it's not something you can necessarily plan for, you know, it's good to know, but there are like consciousness shifts, you know, it's like getting an upgrade to your operating system. And, uh, there are things we just can't really anticipate in terms of how we're going to feel, um, you know, when, uh, as everything shifts. So it's kind of like, um, you know, if you think of like the snake shedding its skin, you know, it's or the butterfly, or the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. That's kind of how it how we evolve, right? We move into these different um, expressions of ourselves that are um, sometimes not even uh, recognizable to our former selves, and you know, so let's, you know, it's almost like it doesn't even matter if you keep your mind open, your mind will expand. This is a mind expanding time of existence, you know, multidimensionally expanding time. So my greatest, you know, advice is to just get really, really clear with what you want, who you are, uh, what does it feel like for you to be in alignment, what is, what can fall away, what can you mend in terms of trauma, schisms, um, how can you let go of what is not helping you vibrate at the highest frequency, how can you release that, because it's just weighing you down, and uh, and then I'm sure you've heard the term ascension, but this is 
the process here. <laughs> it's like, okay, like, beam me up, Scotty, you know, <laughs> here we go into this new reality here. And you don't want to take the old with you, you know, you just, you just don't, right? You don't have room for it. So make sure you're um, fully upgraded here. You know, you've got the supplies that you need, that you need, <laughs> you've got, um, you know, just you're ready for this new adventure. And uh, because it's here, you know, we're stepping into it. And, um, you know, this year, uh, we're not entering the year with a lot of retrogrades, right? Uh, Mercury did station direct on the first. And um, so, you know, and a lot of other planets have been turning direct Jupiter, uh, Uranus, <laughs> um, that have been retrograde. Anyway, those, those things happen left and right and center all the time, but it's just nice to, to think about how at the beginning of the year, um, you know, there's, there is a energy of, you know, not being held back this year. And, uh, I'm just curious. I'm really curious to see how it rolls out and how, um, you know, what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, as I study myself and do my own work, you know, it's just more and more clear to me, um, that effort, well, effort is necessary, but, you know, allowing is the new paradigm, right? Um, it kind of reminds me of the difference between, you know, motivation and inspiration, right? So to be inspired is just to breathe in, you know, to take something in, to motivate is to kind of like reach for, to, to push one's will, right? Let's, uh, let's get motivated to get up. Let's, it's just like, it's kind of clunky, right? To motivate. That's like an, you know, uh, egoic kind of model, but to inspire, to inspirate is to let things come to you and into you and to uplift you and that doesn't take the same kind of effort as you know the idea of motivating oneself so again these are subtle differences but they're um they're really make a, they make a difference you know when it comes to again our frequency how we move about uh what we're um what we're you know, capable of. And um, it's just really important for us to, uh, yeah, get into uh, alignment here with our life. So it's exciting. Um, I wanted to also mention, I wanted to talk about today, now I'm going to get a little nerdy on us, because um, I know that not everybody understands astrology, and it's enough to just, you know, start getting started with the planets, um, what they mean, and then you've got to deal with the signs, and then you have to deal with the aspects between the planets, and then you have to, you know, it, 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 the complexity just increases. But I'm just going to throw in a little wild card today, <laughs> because it's something I, um, I've looked in, I've been focusing more on um, as of late in my own studies. So I wanted to talk about integrating key asteroids into our chart. Okay, so here we go. 
Um, so if you're, you know, familiar with the planets, uh, you know, we've got the, the two luminaries, which is the sun and the moon. We've got the personal planets, um, Mercury, Mars, and Venus. And we've got the sort of um, intermediary uh, planets, uh, which are social planets, which is Saturn and Jupiter. And then we have the outer planets, which are the transpersonal planets, which are Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. So it goes from, you know, the, the very personal to the transpersonal, which means that, you know, it's not personal to us. It's actually a collective soup that we're swimming in, which means that these are not only societal issues, but they are, um, you know, time immemorial issues. Like they are recycled themes of issues that have, you know, gone on for um, time immemorial. And then we have asteroids, okay? And um, I think, you know, if you, again, it just depends on who you work with. Um, people do or do not focus on these things in a chart. But, you know, the more information, the more information. And so I just wanted to bring in uh, for us a little study on the asteroids. And um, so I'm going to talk about four different asteroids today. And one of them I've talked a lot about. Um, did I say four? I, I'll, five, excuse me. Um, so one of them, I've, the first one I've talked a lot about, and um, it's also talked a lot about in, you know, current astrology. It's the asteroid. Um, it's, it's debated. I've heard it called different things, but um, it's the, whether it's a small planet, a dwarf planet, or an asteroid. Um, I've seen it listed as different things, but um, I've also seen it listed as an asteroid. So... Um, but we're talking about Chiron, okay? Chiron is the wounded healer uh, archetype. And I've talked about this a lot before, and it's something that, you know, I I definitely look for in a chart because it tells so much about somebody um, where they have Chiron. It's their core wound, and um, which is really good to know, right? What is our core wound? What is this, you know this wound that is just plaguing us that usually the story is, is that Chiron got wounded and couldn't, uh, heal his own wound, but had to, um, but then was able to heal it in others. So this is very often the case that our core wound is something that is so integral to us, right? It's so prohibitive to our happiness that we will dive deeply into it. We will research it. We will spend time there. We will try, you know, hopefully we will try to understand it. Sometimes it will take us, you know, into, you know, therapy paths or, you know, coaching or, you know, maybe, you know, we go into a career path because of it. You know, maybe it's a, say the core wound is some kind of, um, you know, led us into an eating disorder, for instance, and then that, would, um, you know, 
enable us that we have gone down the path of healing that and then we have the capacity to help others with that so it's that kind of thing where you know something in our lives that has you know uh, made it difficult for us to ignore and then we become an expert in it and then we can help others with so that's our chiron wound so that's number one so we want to know where chiron is in our chart what it's doing what it's up to where it is and what it's how it's aspecting our planets and then we can understand how this core wound shows up shows up for us so depending on what house it's in this is the area of our lives that that it resides in um the sign of course is significant and if chiron is uh, aspecting your son it oftentimes reveals a father wound um you know, that the wound is connected to a wound with your father. And if the, if Chiron is aspecting your moon, say it's in conjunction or, you know, any kind of aspect, opposition, square, whatever, um, that means that, that, um, your Chiron wound is related to your mother. So that's very interesting to know. This is something I look at in charts and I recommend looking into this. So that's number one. Um, so I'm going to go through a couple of different, you know, um, s- some more asteroids that you may not have heard of. Um, and But are really interesting to know about. Because again, you know, until it's like we discovered these parts of our charts and ourselves. And it's like a whole nother layer is revealed. And it's like, Wow. You know, this is very consequential to who I am. So um, there's the asteroid Ceres. And Ceres is about how we, it's like our sort of mothering style, our nurturing style. So where we find Ceres is how we care for others, okay? So, um, that's interesting to know, right? Like, how do you care for your friends? How do you care for your partner? How do you care for your community? How do you care for your children, right? That's the kind of mothering energy that you will have with the people in your life. So, as we know, that can vastly uh, vary, you know, from being, uh, you know, sort of a happy homemaker type to, you know, neglecting your children, (laughs) you know, so they're, or, you know, the spectrum, right, of how one shows up in in the capacity to to care for others. So that is Ceres, and that's spelled C-E-R-E-S. Okay, and then we have um, Juno. So Juno is connected, and that's J-U-N-O. Juno is connected to our marriage partner, okay? So our spouse. So where you find Juno in your chart is the type of uh, partner you will have and in what area of life you will make, you know, a um, what kind of life you'll have with this partner right? So say you have Juno in the fourth house, that means 
you know, home and family will be very integral in your life. Say you have Gino in the ninth house. That means that you may be traveling a lot with your partner and, you know, be, uh, maybe you'll have met at school and, you know, you're both professors and, (laughs) um, or you like to travel together or you're into law or religion. That's the ninth house. Um, so just depending on which house you have Juno in, it says a lot about your marriage partner and the quality of your relationship, as well as the sign, you know, like say if Juno is in, in Virgo, well then you probably have a relationship based on being healers, right? Um, or your, your, your partner, excuse me, is a healer because Virgo is the healer of the Zodiac. Uh, you might have Juno in um, Scorpio. So that would mean that your partner is like, you know, deep and um, maybe possibly brooding and, uh, you know, um, inquisitive and uh, likes to dive deep and do subterranean, uh, you know, work. Um, so, you know, your partner could be an Aries. So you'd have like sort of a fiery... Um, you know, maybe he'd be a race car driver or a motorcycle, <laughs> you know, like um, stunt man or something if, if he was an Aries, right? So that says a lot about your partner, like what kind of guy he is or girl <laughs> and in which, uh, you know, quadrant of the Zodiac you would find Juno. And, you know, as well, you're looking at how your how these asteroids are are aspecting other planets, what relationship they have with your sun, what relationship they have with your moon, right? You could have Juno squaring your moon, which means you might have conflict, emotional conflict with your partner. You could have Juno conjunct your sun, which means that you guys are, you know, super aligned in your, in your life, you know, trajectory in terms of like, Maybe you're both into health, you know, and you're both super health nuts. You know, that would mean that, you know, maybe Juno is conjunct your son. Okay, so this is important. Uh, So the next um, asteroid I'll talk about is Vesta. And Vesta is about um, the home and the hearth. So Vesta is... Again, how you take care of your home, your sanctuary, right? So where do you have Vesta in your chart, right? So again, Vesta could be, if you have Vesta in the ninth house I mentioned of travel, you could be a nomad, right? That means that your home is kind of traveling and all over the place. It's non-local, local or you could have Vesta in, uh, you know, if you have Vesta in the fourth house, which is the, um, in the origin, the place of home and family, then you would probably really be a homebody, you know, having Vesta in the fourth house, you'd probably really like to be at home. Uh, and that's where you would, you know, and, and you would like creating a, a sanctuary or a, um, you know, a cozy abode and you would enjoy having entertaining and, you know, really making people feel at home and in your home, having Vesta in the fourth house. Um, Vesta could be in 
the sixth house, which is the place of uh, time management and work and, and also uh, physical and mental health, well, maybe you, you know, you're at work all the time. <laughs> so that's kind of where you make your home and your your desk at work is like, you know, you, you decorate it, you know, with all your... Um, you know, your plants and your little pictures of your family. And that's like your home, like your second home as you know, you spend it at work. So that would, you know, say a lot about where you, where do you make home and how you make home in what sign in what quad, you know, area, what house, um, again, you could have uh, Vesta in Scorpio, which would probably mean you'd have black curtains and, you know, sleek, uh, you know, coffee table books and, (laughs) um, you know, that kind of decor, or you could have Vesta in, um, you know, Pisces and you'd probably have the pearlescent, uh, you know, crystals and, uh, different, um, you know, water fountains, you know, in your home and these kind of things. So this, uh, says a lot about your home. All right, the next um, asteroid that I will talk about is Pallas. So that's P-A-L-L-A-S. So, and also known as Pallas Athena. So Pallas is about your psychic abilities and your power as a healer, all right? So it's like your, you know, your sixth sense, your, your, your healing ability, your healing capacity. So again, if your chart had like a strong Virgo and a strong palace placement, that would likely mean that you're a healer in, in this, in your, this lifetime, you know, that's how maybe you, that's your profession. Uh, that's what you're known as, you know, your, um, your reputation, you know, your public role. So wherever you have palace in your chart and connected to which planets, talk about your psychic abilities and your intuitive abilities and your ability to, to heal. So again, you know, you could, you, if you had, for instance, if you had Pisces or palace in the 12th house, right, which is the house of um, loss and and grief and um, secrets, you know, uh, and hidden things, right? That means that you would probably have very, very heightened uh, abilities, psychic abilities to the unseen. You'd be very, very tuned in to the unseen, and it, but it may not be super comfortable, right? Like maybe uh, you're tuned into a lot of grief on the planet. You're tuned into the suffering of the world. You're tuned into the nether worlds and the nether lands. So that might not, you know, that might be a difficult experience, right? You could have palace in, um, what haven't I talked about yet? Maybe the fifth house, which is the house of creativity and children um, and reproduction. So you could have palace in your creative areas, which means that maybe you're channeling paintings and, you know, you do intuitive art projects or, you know, you could even be, um, say you had mercury there with it. You may even be a singer, you know, that's your creative process. 
So, you know, palace has to do with how you channel these heightened states of awareness, your higher self, um, and ability to heal, right? So you maybe heal through music, heal through painting. Um, you could have palace in, uh, let's say, Taurus, right? And that means you maybe you would heal through food. You know, maybe you'd be a raw foodie, you know, and that's how you uh, get your heightened state is through eating very, very clean and high vibrational foods and also serving them to people. So, and then of course, like I said, like I've been saying, you want to look at what planets are aspecting your palace because they're going to influence the way that you you know, have these psychic abilities. Again, for instance, if you had Neptune conjunct that palace in the 12th house, you know, that would probably be the profession of being a medium, right? You would be extremely porous, extremely tuned in to these psychic, you know, hidden um, parallel worlds, right? And again, that either, depending on your other planets, that could be you could enjoy that, or maybe that could be really scary and really difficult, you know, either initially or, or throughout your life, you know, or maybe you find a way to begin to enjoy it or to integrate it or to make it, um, you know, less, be less fearful of an experience, right? Through time, through working on it, through healing, right? So that depends on all your planets too. Okay. And I do have one more and this is a point in the chart. It's not it's not an asteroid, but I don't want to leave there's there are others. So these are the more significant or more popular ones uh, that I've listed, but there there is another point that again is a it's a mathematical point in your chart and I talked about it some months back. It's called Black Moon Lilith. Okay? So Black Moon Lilith is this point in your chart where the moon is at the darkest and it's it signifies where you have um, the most shame and you know it it signifies it and it's different than Chiron Chiron's like Chiron is Chiron is signified as a as a warrior as a male you know healer type warrior type and, you know, he's working on this wound and he can't heal it. And he's, you know, he's, you know, it's more of a masculine energy, right? He's kind of like a centaur, centaur. But Black Moon Lilith is a little different here. And she is that inconsolable, rebellious, untamed, un, you know, untamable uh, sort of banshee, <laughs> wild, uh, tra- traumatized, uh, shame-filled <laughs> aspect of us. It's like this, I, I just picture this scrawny, abused woman, you know, who's just been through the worst and is just bereft and does not have like the capacity that Chiron has to, you know, rebuild and, you know, go out and overcome this wound so he can actually heal others she is you know sort of scrawny and she's kind of left to you know wail and pain like she's inconsolable 
And um, even, you know, it's, you know, for both sexes, for men and women, we have this aspect that has been, uh, you know, shamed, abused. um, uh, And again, is just, it's, it's like this hungry ghost, right? It's inconsolable. And it wreaks havoc in our lives, right? It it comes out, you know, in addictions. It comes out in um, sabotaging us. It comes out in stealing someone else's boyfriend or doing something that, you know, is just who in their right mind would do such a thing. Uh, It's this really absolutely bereft um, hungry ghost aspect of us that just, you know, again, does not have the strength, um, to have risen above this. So it's, it's kind of our most shadowy, shameful aspect, right? That, that acts out, but is really not even completely, you, you can't really even hold this part of us responsible because it doesn't, it doesn't have capacity to do better, right? So this part of us is in our chart somewhere. And and again, it is inconsolable. It's not healable. But if we, if we understand it, if we befriend it, if we, right, she herself, Black Lilith, will not heal. But there are aspects of us that can come in to soothe her. And to make her comfortable and to give her water and to, you know, think high, think, you know, good thoughts about her and not further shame her. So when we understand her, when we understand that there's a wild banshee, you know, wild, naked, hungry, <laughs> abused banshee running and running amok inside all of us, how do we treat her? Do we treat her with respect? Do we give her a blanket? Right? Or do we, you know, further disrespect her? Do we shame her? Do we outcast her? Do we um, deny her of her basic needs? So I want us to really ask that question about how we treat our Black Moon Lilith because it is going to mean how we treat any black moon Lilith that actually manifests in our reality. If we see a human who is, you know, a caricature of this black moon Lilith, how we treat her is how we treat our inner black moon Lilith. And the beauty of healing or extending healing energy and um, love and support and getting her emergency care and trauma support, and, you know, um, when we can do this for her, we not only heal our, our own, you know, inner wild, untamed self, but we heal the ones we see in the world. So this is essential to our humanity, is learning how to be with this aspect of ourselves. So This point in our chart, our Black Moon Lilith, is going to be somewhere in our chart, okay? It's going to be where we act out, where we are, um, you know, unpredictable, where we are, like, maybe we're afraid to go to the party and drink too much because we're going to do that thing, you know? We're going to embarrass ourselves, we're going to 
sleep with somebody we don't want to. We're going to, you know, do even more drugs or whatever. It's this part that's that we don't have a handle on. And we know that, you know, that she may take over and, uh, you know, basically embarrass us or ruin our reputation, <laughs> you know. And so if we know about that part of ourselves, uh, again, we can learn to support it or to put it in supportive conditions or to not uh, expose it to unsupportive conditions, okay? So again, depending on where that black moon Lilith is, is how you show up in this capacity. You know, if this is a major part of your personality and you have found yourself, you know, in a lot of addiction and acting out and in these ways, that means your black moon Lilith is quite activated in your chart. It's quite dominant. Uh, somehow it has, maybe it's merged with your son. Maybe it's uh, opposing your son. Maybe, who knows, right? It's somewhere that has integrated itself into a primary part of your personality and your experience. And therefore, um, you're having that experience a lot of the time, maybe too much of the time. So it's good to know where this, where this point is in your chart. So you can, again, you can learn to sort of, uh, plan for it, <laughs> make buffer, you know, make a, make a buffer, make a plan for how Black Moon Lilith might act out. So for instance, if Black Moon Lilith is in the fifth house, right? The fifth house is about, you know, sex and procreation and creativity. And again, you know, you may find, you may end up, you know, finding yourself doing that kind of work in the world, <laughs> Um, and, or, um, you know, again, maybe your creative art is around this shame and, you know, uh, you know, your, your art is shame is about exposing this part, or maybe, um, you know, it, it highlights this aspect, you know, again, for, and that can be healing for others because then it takes it out of the closet, you know, if we expose, you know, this black moon Lilith, because guess what? She's hidden. Why? Because she's shameful, right? She's shamed and she's, she's shameful. So those of us who, you know, those who will bring her into the light, um, you know, we do a service for everyone, you know, and that's the healing aspect of working with these energies, right? Is that we can actually bring them out of the shadows because they're part of all of us. Um, all right. So I really, I hope that was helpful and interesting. I certainly have been really enthralled with, uh, looking at these different points in my chart and integrating them into my own chart and looking at, uh, you know, how they're, how they make sense of different pieces of me and explain things about my own life and experience so again, if you're interested in um, in a reading with me, uh, an astrological reading, you can reach out. Um, I am raising my rates in the new year, uh, so you know that'll that'll begin uh, January twentieth. So 
when Pluto moves into Aquarius. <laughs> I'm raising my rates for astrology readings and, um, and for tarot readings, actually. So uh, look out for that. Um, and, you know, I'm looking into more ways to uh, integrate all this wisdom into my coaching. Uh, I do life coaching as well. So all of these things are helping you to find your way to get your grip and get guidance um, into deeper aspects of yourself so you can understand who you are, where you are, and where you need to go in this life. All right. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, Again, find uh, my link to join my mailing list in the show notes. And Happy New Year. Bye-bye.